Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. All right. right. We're back. We are back. (laughs) What are we doing? So episode two in our series of follow a client, we got to come up with a better title, I guess. Yeah, we haven't come up with the title yet, but you'll have it by the time we publish these, promise. So it's our street to stage uh, client work live that you are participating in, and this is the first check-in. So what you're about to hear is this client's first check-in three weeks after starting, and the date was actually just after Christmas. Okay. So... So I will say it's, you know, it's brave of somebody to start a program mm-hmm. through the holidays. And I actually had a couple, I brought on like two new clients that, right. that, that got on board through the holidays. And you know what, it just goes to show like, stop waiting till January 1st, the Monday, uh, the first Monday in January or the whatever the fuck. Right. Just jump in and go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just do it. All right. All right. So here we go. Here's check-in number two. All right. So welcome back. This is three weeks later. (laughs) So just to remind everybody, I'm still Brandy and you are? I'm still Tiffany, I think. And you have been on the program for three weeks now. I have, yes. And things have been going pretty great. Um, So what I thought we would do here is we had our first two check-ins the way that we normally do the majority of them, which is via email. You did our check-in form. I reviewed it. Then I sent you back my feedback and we made all the programming changes. So what I have today is you've sent me your week three check-in and I thought we could just go over it kind of face-to-face together and talk through some things. So the first thing, obviously, I hate to start with this, but it's what everybody wants to start with. When you started our program three weeks ago, you were 237.5. Yes. Today, 232.4, and that is also, I need to make a point that that is through Christmas and New Year's. Yes, and I um, just want to say that that was not easy. (laughs) For sure. I mean, you started on the 15th of December, right before Christmas, right as probably typical typical fashion, you were ready to like throw down. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So while I'm sure you're probably initially like, oh, it's been three weeks and I've only lost four pounds. The reality is during that span of time, any other year, it would probably be a significant trend in the opposite direction. Do you agree? I, I, I agree a ton. And yeah, I was super bummed. I didn't, didn't meet my goal this week that I had in my head, it's meat, um, but you're right. It was uh, over Christmas and New Year's, and if I compare that to behaviors in the past, I really did meet my goal. You're right, absolutely. And you know, I think that's a that's always like really important to consider everything into context, right? It's not just considering the scale weight; it's considering the significant change in behaviors that have happened in three weeks, and really what I've seen in these three weeks you build as far as changes and obviously knowing from the past, the, the rabbit hole you would have gone down over hol- the holiday period and actually seeing a great, a great return on the scale. And you know, that's only going to get better. We're not going to fixate on the scale. The scale is the end result of the changed behaviors, not the other way around. Right. So congratulations on all that. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Looking through your check-in, the other thing I will note is, you know, we'll talk about some of the nutrition things that we've been working on that you've made big strides in, but it also looks like you were able to get some good training going. So talk to me about that. Yeah, well, I, you know, I wouldn't call it good training as far as where I've been before in my life, but um, I'm actually making an, a conscious choice to exercise, which is good. Um, mostly just walking. I have done, well, we got a treadmill for Christmas. So, um, I've been doing some of the walk jog, uh, programs on the treadmill. And then 
um, doing some squats and lunges, just those simple exercises to get into the routine of, of exercising. Absolutely. And I mean, that was our goal. And in the intake that people last heard, uh, I think that that's what we talked about, that this initial phase, and I'm not going to put a time frame on the phase, but it's just building that exercise habit. It doesn't really matter to me the what in detail. It's just the consistency and the making the choice to do and getting your body primed. And that's what it is, right? It's, you know, getting your heart going again, getting everything going again. Because if you were to head out of your house today and try to run a half marathon, that would not do any good. Yeah. And I probably would try that. Yeah. <laughs> Zero to, to marathon, half marathon before, for sure. I, you know, with a lot of injuries afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Injuries, you know, damage your body, damage to your like your mental game, because that sucks. There's no reason to have a suck factor. So I'm going to say congratulations on that. Um, But here's a million dollar question. I know you noted in here that this week you're going back to school. You've been off work the last two weeks. You're going back to work. So talk to me about how we're going to continue this pattern with your work schedule. Oh, boy. So... I honestly have not even thought about that. I'm not going to lie. So again, avoiding. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, in the past, I've, I've been able to get up early in the morning um, to do my workouts. I don't, I don't want to. Nor, nor should you. Yeah, I just don't want to. So I think, I think what I'm going to try and I'm coming up with this right now because I honestly haven't thought about it till right now. Mm-hmm. It starts tomorrow. I think what I'm going to try is when I get home from work, um, exercising then. I think I already was thinking about implementing like a quiet time for myself so that I can kind of get my bearings again and decompress. Um, but I could probably kill two birds with one stone and use my exercise time as my time for just me. Um, nobody can bug me during that time. And that's my time to, um, focus on getting, you know, all the stress out and, and, uh, being okay for the rest of my evening. So hell yes. Amen. Absolutely. Period to everything you just said. I mean, one setting that time to decompress at the end of the day before bad decisions start. But number two, having that set schedule. If you don't have a, you, and I'm talking about you in particular, if you don't have a set schedule that I work out every day from X to X, habitually, every day, end of conversation, it will fall off the list 10 times out of 10. Yeah. So I really think that we need to pop this on the top of the list this week as a priority and as a fake it till you make it, this would be my suggestion. I mean, and then of course, obviously you give me feedback. Like 5 to 6 p.m. is your set workout time. And all I would say programming wise is make 30 minutes of that a workout, right? Mm-hmm. Commit to at least 30 minutes of that of a workout. You can kind of shape that however you want. If you feel like doing the walk jog for 20 minutes and 10 minutes of body um, strength, body weight strength, or the other way around, however you want to shape that, then the other 30 minutes of that, I want you to begin doing the mind-body training. And again, you can shape that how you, what works for you. Some of the things that you should start to explore in that 30 minutes is yoga, meditation, or you know what, if just sitting in a quiet room, staring at a wall does that for you or stretching or, you know, for me, my, one of my de- major decompressions is a podcast and walking. And that's just, that's how I function. But let's right now make this a 30, 30 process this week of a set timeline. And so here's the kicker. Here's the accountability piece. 
if five o'clock rolls around and you really don't fucking feel like it or, you know, somebody wants something or whatever, there's no option. You cannot work if you don't want to, but you have to get dressed. You have to put on your gym shoes and you have to go in your workout space. That's the rule. Okay. Okay. If you get down there and you still don't fucking feel like doing it and you want to lie on the floor for an hour, that's your choice. But there's no avoiding. You have to get dressed, tie your shoes, put them on, go in your workout space. Okay. From 5 to 6 p.m. And then that's the only rule. So well done on all that. I think that that's fantastic. You know, do you, how do you feel after kind of getting back on it? It feels good. I mean, my body absolutely hurts, Curtain. Um, but it does feel good. You know, I, I always tell myself I need to write down how I feel after I work out so that when I'm not wanting to do it, I can remind myself that, yeah, it sucks in the beginning, but then at the end, it makes everything so much better. Your whole rest yeah. of your day. I mean, getting there is like 90% of the suck factor. Yeah. And it's like rolling a boulder uphill. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'd even suggest, I don't know if this is ridiculous and maybe ridiculous is helpful this week, taking your gym clothes to work with you and changing at work. So when you walk in your door, you're already in your gym clothes. I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> or, or, or whatever, like whatever you think you need to do yeah. to set yourself up to get over that suck factor of, I don't want to, whatever that is. Right. Right. So well done. So let's just, you know, honestly, at this point, just continue the walking Add a little light jogging, keep it tame, keep it real tame right now. It's going to be at least three to four months, I think, before you should start doing any sustained, harder cardio. You're just doing light or less, low intensity, steady state kind of cardio work. It burns the same calories, right? But it will yeah. keep you from causing injury, causing more stress, anything like that. And then the body weight work, I love. You know, I think you can solve most problems in the world with body weight work, with planks, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, you know, dips on a chair, like just using lunges, just using your own basic body weight. At this point, you don't need to add any load. You just need to work on the majority of what you need to focus on as you're training right now is just core stability and flexibility and basic fitness. So all the right things. I think that's fantastic. It does feel like cheating. Well, it does. And it does. And I know where your mind's going with that. So what people think is, I always have to do 100%. And if I can't do 100%, I'm going to do 0%. So if you do 0%, 50% of the time and 100%, that's the 50%, right? But it's erratic. But if you get 60% in, 100% of the time, you're netting 60%. And then that 60 will become 65, will become 70, right? But when people in their minds set set a goal for themselves that sucks so bad you don't want to do it and you do nothing, the goal on paper is not helpful. And and it's very common, right? I mean, I do it to myself sometimes. It'll be like, well, I'm going to go out and do the. And I start running and I'm like, okay, this sucks and I can't do it and I'm just done. Right. So don't think of it. Just think of it as you're just building the foundation. You're checking the boxes. You're building the habits. You're priming your body right now. So talk to me about nutrition. I see that your log. So when we started after the intake, when I looked through your log, there were a lot of areas for improvement. The, you know, the most frightening thing to me that I saw was you ate very irregularly and when you did eat, it was 100% processed food, um, no protein, no fresh food, no fruits or vegetables, you know, that type of foods with no nutritional value, but it would be one serving a day. Mm -hmm. When I just look now, very much different. I mean, 
five meals a day, fruits and vegetables all over the place, healthy, lean proteins. And then I also saw other stuff in there and that's right. And that's perfect, right? At this point, three weeks in, if I saw a log that was all chicken and broccoli, either, (laughs) you know, either you're lying or you're doing too much. That's not sustainable. So what I see in there right now looks looks great overall as far as your meal timing, you're getting the nutrients in, things are things are balanced. But how are you feeling about it? Well, I'm definitely having to make a conscious effort to eat those things. Um, I've never eaten so many fruits and vegetables in my life. Um, so how much I- are you eating? How much are you eating of fruits and vegetables a day? Well, I am eating at least one serving five times a day. Yeah. Um, I'm eating more fruit than vegetables. It's okay. I don't love vegetables. And that's (laughs) Um, okay. Yeah. And I have to keep repeating in my mind uh, something that you said a few weeks ago was that it doesn't matter if you love it or not. You're eating for nutrition in your body. So, and I put that spinach, you know, in the smoothie. I have to think you know, it's not because I like to eat spinach. <laughs> my body needs it. Right. <laughs> that helps a little bit. Uh, if it was all about, you know, just eating what I like, I would never eat a vegetable again because I don't like vegetables. <laughs> as, as most people feel that way. Well, you know, when I say that though, people look at me like, Oh my God, I can't believe you don't like vegetables. Well, I want, I want to say, I don't think you like them either. <laughs> That's exa- But you know what? You're exactly right. Like I eat a significant amount of fruits and vegetables. It's not because I'd rather eat that than a sandwich or, you know, a piece of pizza. I'd rather have the junk, but I know the consequences and I know the way it makes me feel. So in that vein, I'd rather have the vegetables because I don't want the GI problems and the bloating and all that. Yeah, but if the nutritional value was the same between broccoli and a bowl of Chex Mix, I would choose <laughs> Chex Mix. <laughs> you and everybody else on the planet. <laughs> right? So, um, so I, I've, and like I said, I mean, I have discovered that the best way for me to, uh, to eat my fruits and vegetables is in a smoothie. Um, mm-hmm. Time-wise, it allows me to be able to uh, still do what I do and get the nutrition in instead of just skipping my meal completely. And um, taste-wise, it allows me to just do it. Yeah. Um, I still don't love the smoothies. I actually, it was funny, I made one this morning for, for breakfast and I gagged audibly. And my husband goes, did you just gag? <laughs> yeah, because I don't, it's new. And, and I guess I keep saying I don't like it. What I don't like is change. Mm. And it's new and it's different. There's nothing wrong with the smoothie I make. And many people would be like, this is delicious. For me, it's, it's new. It's different. I'm forcing myself to eat um, during times where I would normally just fast, you know, um, which is just a change. And that that's the hardest part about all of this is, is uh, going from that one large meal a day where I ate the bulk of my calories, sometimes upwards to 3000 calories in one sitting, spreading that out into five meals um, is, is a huge change. It's really different. it's making my body do things at times that it's not nor it's not uh, used to doing things at. So uh, there, ha- I have had um, some issues, and you know, to be completely clear, this week I'm dealing with constipation. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's because I have changed my diet up so much. I'm not getting um, the the junk I used to get. So maybe my body's just going, what the heck. Um, I'm not sure exactly why this week. I'm really, really bloated this week. Okay. But like you said before, we just got done with Christmas. We just got done with New Year's. And uh, two, well, on New Year's, I did have uh, two pieces of pizza. Um, I always bloat 
was being mm-hmm. split. And I knew that was going to happen. Right. Um, so that could be part of it is that I've been eating fairly clean um, from my other meals. And then I threw that pizza in there. So my body's going, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling with sodium. Mm-hmm. I love sodium. Um, <laughs> well, wait, <laughs> you don't love sodium. So the sodium you're st- struggling with is from processed food, right? It's not using salt. Well, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I just put salt on stuff too. But so, no, that's not all bad. That's not all bad. I mean, I want to definitely talk about this. Yeah. I mean, I blame grandma. Uh, remember when she used to give us apple slices with salt on it? Which salt, table salt and sodium in the correct amount isn't bad for your body. The problem becomes if you do natural sodium, adding a little salt, things like that on top of a highly processed diet that already has exorbitant amounts of sodium, then that's when you get into the numbers that causes you know, heart disease, heart attacks, high blood pressure, things like that. Yeah. I was kind of confused at a lot of the stuff that was having the sodium in it because this last uh, two weeks, I really have tried to not eat the processed stuff. Um, so the sodium I have seen is coming from products with tomatoes and, and I, there's so much sodium in spaghetti sauce. Well, because that it's not the tomatoes. It's the fact that that's a highly processed item. Right. right. So anything in a jar, can, bag, box is likely, it's, that's a processed item if that makes sense. So it's not the tomatoes that are the problem. It's the bunch of salt that's being dumped in there in order to make it shelf stable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tricky, right? It's, it's very difficult. And the difficulty becomes a lot of, a lot of the convenience kind of foods that we're used to as Americans are highly processed foods with outrageous amounts of sodium but that there's a direct link there between the ob- obesity, heart disease, heart attacks, and high blood pressure pandemic, frankly, <clears throat> that we have in our culture. Yeah. But it's a real pain in the dick to work around it. I, I absolutely validate that. For sure. Like who at 6.30 wants to make spaghetti sauce from scratch? Yeah. Not me, you know? <laughs> so you go and you get the can of Prego and then you realize you just added... 980 grams of sodium to your diet in in one cup of spaghetti sauce and that's half of your daily allowance of sodium right so and spaghetti sauce actually comes up in these conversations a lot and there are versions you got to start reading labels because there are versions that are have less sugar there's a lot of sugar in a lot of the commercial spaghetti sauce too but there are versions with less sodium less sugar more natural etc etc And then if that's something, if tomato sauce, spaghetti sauce, for example, is something you routinely use, it would be worth considering making a big portion of your own in a crock pot and freezing it. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Um, So, okay, that, I mean, that's really, that's a really important thing to point out. I'm looking through your log and, you know, looking at the sodium and obviously there's some things that, you know, the pizza, the Chex mix, all those things are going to have higher sodium. That's to be expected. But the goal we kind of set was to stay in a healthy range, which typically is somewhere around 2000 milligrams a day. That's a very general number. Um, I mean, what I've noticed is that that's no added salt. Just the, the food that you naturally are supposed to eat has enough sodium in it to meet those daily requirements without any added anything. Right. Yeah, that's what's hard for me because I'm not a sugary person. Like you can see in my logs, like I don't have cookies. There's no chocolate. There's no fudge. Like I will pass all of that up for Chex Mix every single time or just bread. I, I love mm-hmm. bread. I love salty pretzels, um, anything, uh, triscuits, you know, anything crunchy and salty, you know, bring it on. Um, so 
for me for Christmas, I wasn't having such a hard time with the cookies and the candies. It was, you know, the, the other stuff that once that's in the house, it's like impossible to not put in your mouth. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. Right. And I mean, through the holidays is a little more difficult of a time because you have a lot of things in your house that you wouldn't normally have. Everybody does. And it's not a function of trying to just resist all of that. It's keeping, keeping aware of it, just like you did, keeping it logged, keeping it to the best moderation. Now the holidays are over though. Do you continue to keep those type of items in your house or how are you going to handle that? Well, that's a major problem in my home. Um, we, I have a lot of people living here and, um, you know, they're, a lot of people aren't on board with changing their eating habits. Um, and right now, I, I don't have complete control over everything that is in the house or where it's kept without, again, setting more firm boundaries mm-hmm. and upsetting the apple cart, which um, is hard for me. And so that's another bridge I'm going to have to cross. Um, you know, once all of that stuff is, uh, I, I hate throwing it out right now, <laughs> but once it's consumed, like, are we going to bring more of that crap in? Well, I don't want to obviously, or if it gets brought in, can it be in a separate area or, um, you know, I, ideally I would love everyone in my house to just get on board with eating healthy. Um, but you know, it's a very personal choice and you can't force somebody to make a behavioral change. They have to want it for themselves. Um, so that, that is going to be really hard for me because right now, currently I'm living with a bunch of teenagers and young adults and my husband who is currently, you know, eating very unhealthy as well. Um, so it's going to be, that's going to be a huge challenge. Yeah. I mean, it is right. There's no way around it. It really is. You know, it's not impossible, but it's an added challenge dealing like trying to make the changes when you live in a household of people who are not supportive. And that's what that effectively is. It's people who are not being supportive. Um, But I think right now you probably just add that to your list that you've been keeping about boundaries, boundaries to think about, right? Like let's not get overwhelmed with it. It's boundaries to think about. And as you head into this week, I think now that you are looking for solutions to make yourself successful, you'll probably run across a lot of things involving the grocery shopping and again, the lifestyle that you have to look at. And I would just kind of start making notes of it, right? You might not be able to solve it in the moment. Um, and at the end of the day, you might only have control out of, over yourself. Right. And if you have a household of people who are unsupportive and uncooperative, I mean, this is a life or death issue for you. I've had clients who've had to do extreme things. Like they come home from work, they work out, they go straight to bed. You know, if until you're at a point where you're neutral towards the things that are triggering to you. Once you've reached a neutrality, it doesn't matter but you're not there yet. You're alcoholic in the first week of recovery and living in a house with other alcoholics. Right. Right. So instead of changing these other people's behavior, like you said, some of the solutions you might want to start thinking towards this week is what can you do to protect yourself in a household that's not safe to your health? And that might just be the jumping off point until you are safe. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, think out. I think outside the box. You're not gonna. You're right. You're not gonna change anybody else. But you got to protect yourself, right? You know, but I mean, fantastic. I have no complaints with your log. I will make one note that we set your calories around 2,000 calories, Mm -hmm. which is pretty low. Um, I see that you're routinely leaving quite a few calories on the table. 200, 250 calories a day on the table. What's happening? Uh, okay. So I think, I think there's a combination of things that are happening. One is, um, I'm eating, those are left at the end of the day. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I could fill those calories up. Um, but when I realize that I have those left over, it's like eight o'clock at night and I don't want to eat a bunch of food um, before I go to bed. Not because I don't want to. Oh, I want to, believe me. But I think I've had this idea in my head that you shouldn't eat before you go to bed um, because then you'll gain weight with that extra food. I also have this idea in my head that you less less calories is going to get you to your goal faster, I think. So it's really hard to battle that. Uh, 2,000 calories in a dieting world for me is a lot. In the past, when I diet, it's 1,400 calories, uh, 1,400, 1,500 calories. So the idea of eating more to lose weight um, is really hard for me to overcome. And I'm having to force myself to eat those extra calories. Because when you are eating the right foods, the calories are hard to get to. Right. So are you hungry or are you not? You're not hungry on the 1750, 1800 calories. Um, I'm hungry in the morning. In the morning, I wake up starving. Actually, the other day I woke up at 4 a.m. because I was starving. Um, but throughout the day, I'm eating more than I've ever eaten before. So no, I'm not hungry. Okay. So that's what matters more to me than you used to eat 1,400 calories one time 20 years ago. Everything you said about misconceptions is factual. Um, just so you know how, how I work or how any good coach works, I don't care what you used to eat. I'm looking at the data that I had going into this. And in order for you to sustain your current weight, you were eating probably averaging somewhere between 4,000, 3,000, 4,000 calories a day. That was to sustain. That was not necessarily gaining. So cutting that to 2,000, you cut half of your calories, right? So it doesn't make any sense to cut to 1,400 because that's not sustainable. When you cut calories too low too fast, that is when people get, it's not sustainable. People get hungry. They binge. They cheat constantly. The name of the game is doing the minimum we have to do to get results, right? Um, and then your point is obviously very, very correct. When you're eating non-junk food, you have to eat an extraordinary amount of volume. Those words weren't right, but much more volume. Yeah. And it's a lot harder, right? You can eat 2,000 calories in pizza in five minutes. To eat 2,000 calories of vegetables, fruits, and lean protein takes all day. Right, right. So what matters to me is what these calories are doing to your body. Are we seeing you in a deficit, meaning we're seeing a routine change in the scale, and how are you feeling? What's your energy level and what's your hunger? So I hear that you're mostly fine during the day. You're waking up in the morning hungry, yes. which is okay with me. You shouldn't be waking up super early, starving on the regular. Mm-hmm. Now and then, I don't care. You're, you should be hungry. Being hungry is okay. You know, I'm okay with that. If you wake up at six and you're super hungry and you get out of bed, like I get out of bed and go eat because I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And that's about what you want to be, right? Um, but have you noticed any change of your energy level? Or is um, it hard to gauge because you haven't been working? It is super hard to gauge okay. <laughs> this environment. So we've been off on Christmas break and so I, um, I really can't, I can't compare the two. Okay. I mean, I feel more rested, but it's cause I am re- more rested. Yeah. Um, so right. that's really hard. Okay. So here's what I think we should do. You know, if, if I was seeing the 1750, 1800 and seeing that you either weren't losing or you were having like enormous losses then we might want to adjust it going back into this work week. And because you're still very new to this, I think we leave it at 2000, but allow you 
to have basically that 200 of wiggle room based on how you feel. There's no rules for what time you eat. Okay. In fact, you're better off if you're waking up at night hungry, it's better to have some sort of a healthy snack. I mean, that's an old wives tale. The reason why there's been a lot of like rumors or rules about eating late, it's because that's typically when people binge eat is 7 p.m. on. It's more behavioral. There's no actual like science behind that per se. Yeah. So let's leave it at there. Let's leave, let's leave your nutrition numbers the same. 200 calories. Uh, you have some macros that you're working on. We'll dig more into that later. Just target to your best. And if you get to eight o'clock at night and you're full, you're fine. And you still have eight, 200 calories left. Yeah. Don't force feed yourself. Okay. Leave them on the table. What I don't want is you to purposely leave them on the table. If you are hungry and you have 200 calories left, eat the calories. Yeah. End of conversation. Right. Very cool. Um, so the other big change I saw in here was water. Yeah. Who would have thought <laughs> drinking water was a thing? <laughs> so what I've noticed with drinking water. Okay. So my first week I did not do great on the water and I was having like 20 cups of coffee a day. Mm. Like that's a lot. Well, that's where I was getting my water, which is also dehydrating. So you have to double your water for every amount of coffee. So I've noticed that with drinking more water, I am drinking less coffee, which is great because, uh, you know, coffee, all day long instead of just having a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. Cause all sorts of problems. So um, I am having to force myself, I guess not force myself, remind myself to drink the water. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm still working on gaining that habit. Um, and no, it feels good. It feels good to, to have the water for sure. Yeah. It looks like you're getting in a gallon a day. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll point out that I see is you said your sleep, you're averaging about six hours a night. Mm -hmm. And that's on break. Yeah. So. I can't fall asleep. I, and okay. I've, been, I've been taking the melatonin okay. um, at night to try to get myself. I have a hard time turning my brain off. And, and then I'll look at the clock and then I'll panic mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, I'm not going to get to sleep anyway. Um, and then that causes more, more anxiety. So my problem isn't sleeping on the back end. I could sleep in till 1 a.m. or sorry, 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. If somebody let me, my problem is, is on the front end falling asleep. What time do you get into bed? Um, 10 o'clock is usually when I'm able, that's soonest that I'm able to get into bed. Because of what? Because of the other humans in my house. They don't let you go to bed? Well, currently I have one human that needs to have constant supervision. Um, and so I wait until that is completely taken care of. That's temporary. That's a temporary situation, right? Yes, correct. That's okay foster kiddo okay so that's temporary so once that situation is taken care of you have control over what time you were to go yes okay so once that is taken care of i can definitely uh, make my bedtime earlier for sure okay well and i i mean you know what works best for you but again this is just like the constipation right this isn't something we just shrug off yeah um, so playing with different routines and you have to figure out a system, you know, figure out your system that works best for you. Oftentimes going to bed and decompressing earlier. So let's say that you get up at six, so you'd need to get to sleep by 10 to get eight hours, right? Yes. So that might mean, for me, that means I need to be in bed by 8.30 because it takes me about an hour and a half to decompress to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, that's just me. 
So if I were to jump into bed at 10 o'clock every night, I wouldn't be getting to sleep till midnight, right? Mm -hmm. So melatonin is a great addition if that helps you. A lot of people are very successful with night with um, sleep meditations, and there's a ton out there. I love Pelotons, but Headspace has them. There's plenty that you could just Google. A lot of people have a lot of success putting that in, and that begins to, like you said, deprogram your brain right. or create different pathways. So start playing with those, like actively start to play with different systems to change that. Um, and then your stress level, you said, is a five, which that's pretty high. That's pretty low for me, actually. The last few weeks, um, I was rating my stress at like a seven, um, maybe even an eight. Uh, this, yeah. this year has been the hardest year ever as far as pandemic, being a teacher, having to re-navigate my whole classroom, my whole career has right. changed upside down. Um, and the, the pressures are, uh, are unreal. So for me, the five is that my stress is starting to go down. Okay. And that's good. I mean, that's all valid. So big picture, you want to live somewhere between a zero and a two. <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't mean to laugh at you, but how is that even possible? Well, you have complete control over what you are stressed out about. That is absolutely true. I get that for sure. So it's beginning and it takes practice, right? Just as being stressed out becomes a habit, being unstressed out, it just has to become an equal habit and it's mindfulness. It's all the same package of everything we're working with with mindfulness and starting to realize these things and change how you react. Like you very, not very often can you affect your stressor, right? right? But you can absolutely affect your response to stress. Yeah. Or in some situations, if the stressor is chronic or too high, you can remove it, change it. Living in a constant state of stress is a, a prescription for an early grave. Mm -hmm. period. So again, like we, we've talked about the cultural things before and there's, you know, just kind of like this cultural undercurrent of being stressed out as some type of badge of honor. It's not, it's, you know, again, it's directly related to the health epidemic because, you know, the stress on your system, um, the quality of life, just all of those things. So it's something that began to actively work and it's not going to change overnight, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to change overnight because it's a habit. It's a lifestyle, yeah. but you start being aware of it. So what I would like to do to add to your kind of awareness list this next week is just take note of your biggest stressors. Right. That's it. Don't fix them. You know, if the, whatever that might be, if it's, I don't, I know it's not, this isn't yours, but if it's traffic or, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like, whatever the thing is, why don't you try to kind of nail down maybe your top three stressors? Like if mathematically these three things were, were no longer a stressor, your stress level would be somewhere between a zero and a two on a regular basis, right? We're talking about baseline stress. Yeah. So your baseline stress is a zero to two. Then events happen, situations happen, your stress level rises but your baseline should be somewhere between a zero and a two as a healthy practice. Okay. Um, but don't stress yourself out trying to solve those stressors this week. Okay. <laughs> Just start making notes, you know, like, man, this thing, this thing is the thing that like shoots me up to a 10 on the regular. Okay. Yeah, totally cool. Um, everything else actually looks really, really good. You should, feel pretty happy about things. Thank you. I, mm. I do. I do. I mean, I obviously wish, um, the weight loss was quicker mm -hmm. uh, in terms of pounds. Cause in, I I'm used to that. I'm used to dropping it really quick. Um, but I understand why it's not. And I, I get it. This, I'm in it for the long haul and it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> right. That's, that's right. 
That's totally right. That's totally right. Well, I think we can set kind of a public goal. Um, the next in-person check-in we'll do is probably in four weeks. I think you could pretty confidently plan for somewhere around like 225 by then. Oh, man. Okay. That's about seven pounds from today. But more, more importantly, you know, like that's the data point that everybody wants to talk to. But more importantly, um, we're starting to pick away at just some of these processes. And, you know, this is the hardest part. The startup is the hardest part. Pretty soon you're going to find these things are clicking into place. And, you know, pretty soon you're going to find that it's not hysterical, the idea of being at a zero to two stress. <laughs> right? Right, right. And then that's when things start to change. It's a slow, gradual process. And you have more insight looking hindsight than you do sometimes in the moment. And just keep, keep that in mind. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Good. Sounds good. Anything else? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think that was pretty much it. I'm not really looking forward to heading back into one of my biggest stressors <laughs> yeah. of all times, but, um, you know, we'll, I'm going to stay on track, so we'll see how it goes. You got a good plan. And you know what? You're, you're three weeks in, you're too far to give right. up now. I'm in it now. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, nice, nice progress. How much weight loss? It was five, five, five pounds. pounds. So to your point, before we listen to the episode, don't wait because over Christmas, she lost five pounds where in normal life, that probably would have been 10, 15 or more pounds. Right. And it was just gained. And, and gained I won't even say it was like, I mean, it may have felt like a lot of work to her, but it was minimal effort involved. Right. right? So she could have gained five pounds over Christmas. Or 10 said, or 20. So now she's five pounds less. Right. Um, and she's already started in with some really healthy habits. Mm-hmm. You know, my number one being, I'm so good job, Tiffany, on drinking water. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you're drinking your water. Right. Good job, right? right? But that goes to our just one thing point. Now, I know she did more than just one thing, but you build on those habits, right? right? And she realized that if she drinks water and not 20 cups of coffee a day, oh my God, now I'm drinking less coffee, right? Right? Which is also a good and healthy habit. Maybe less vodka. We haven't and really I bet super you were that, drinking but... less vodka, right? Unless she's, or less drink, vodka in unless your she's coffee. drinking vodka in water. <laughs> vodka in your coffee. She's like, little do you know, <laughs> I'm putting vodka in my water. Right. I have just like streamlined the process. I put vodka in my coffee, <laughs> vodka in my water, and now I'm getting in more water. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so super happy. And again, like I didn't know what to expect. I know what I've seen in past years. So I was braced. So in this check-in, I was very, very excited because... She stayed accountable all through the holidays. And I won't lie, there were log days in there that I'm sure she wanted to die logging, right? Mm -hmm. And that's okay, right? That is all just emotional shit in your own head. Right, because I will, my other phrase that I like to say all the time, my clients know just because you don't log it, doesn't your body logs it regardless of whether or not you log it on a piece of paper, my fitness pal or or any anywhere else, right? Right. So you might as well see what you're doing. Knowledge is power. And you might as well show me what you're doing. Because you can't uh, you can't help her. That's why I tell my clients all the time, I can't help you if I don't know what's going on. Or if you're giving me a bullshit log. Right. Because you didn't eat twelve hundred calories of broccoli. Right. But the, you know, one of the things you told her in the intake is like the number one thing I need you to do. And I think you reiterated it in, in the, um, in the second check-in was I need the data, right? Like good, bad or ugly. I got to have the data. The most important thing you can do is log. And, and I, I agree with that. And no, not everybody has to, you know, calorie count to lose weight. There are lots and lots of different ways to do it, but if you, I think the reason why so many people get themselves into a 200 pounds, mm-hmm. 100 pounds overweight position is if you just ignore it, it's not happening, right? right. Like if you never weigh yourself, if you right. never actually see the calories you're taking, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, I only eat two mm-hmm. or three meals a day. Yeah. So I'm not eating that much. Well, you didn't get to be 200 pounds, not eating that much, right? right? Or, you know, 
not eating all day, mm-hmm. which seems like you're not eating that much, or redu- restricting calories all week and then eating 10,000 calories on the right. weekends. Like, it doesn't work that way. And, you know, and that comes up a lot with clients. And it's like, okay, got it. You're doing everything perfect, but that's clearly not working. So <laughs> let's try a different version of perfect. <laughs> yeah, let's just try different. Let's so it doesn't try. have to be perfect. Let's just try different, let's just try right? Different. So, yeah, I mean, like, super thrilled with the progress. Now, obviously, as a coach, I know that she did this progress. The first three weeks are the easiest because it's new and it's shiny and it's exciting and it's fun. Mm -hmm. It gets very hard after that because now the funness has worn off. And also the honeymoon period's over over, and she's going back to school, which I know is a significant stressor. So in this check-in, I was getting ready. I was already prepared to address that because... The normal inclination would be, well, that was a fun three-week diet. Now I'm going back to my Mother Teresa martyr, have to save all these children, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm going to go back to normal habits. So there had to be some sort of a way to, again, build a different boundary and a different way to think about it in a way that wasn't going to be overwhelming. So all I asked her to do at the end of that um, check-in I just want you to start identifying your stressors, right? Yeah, I like that. Don't solve it. Don't try to solve them. Right. Just identify what they are. Let's just see what they are and go from there. Right. And sometimes it can surprise you, right? Because even myself, if I'm like, what are the things that stress me out the most? It's not the things that somebody else would probably guess. It's dumb stuff that I could affect, like Girl Scouts, Right. right? And if I were to continue to say, Girl Scouts is stressing me out so bad that I am making not achieving the other things in life that I want to achieve. Well, at some point, Girl Scouts has to go. Right. Or whatever. Whatever it is, it may not be what you actually think it is, but until you... It's definitely not her commute. It's not her commute. And I told her, I was like, ain't nobody in D.C. going to feel bad for you with your 47-second commute. I don't think I know anybody that that commute I mean, would be can, like, what in the hell is she talking And she teaches at the schools that we grew up in. Yeah. And she lives, I don't know, a couple blocks from where we grew up. Yeah. Um, so... But to your point, and the, the, I like what you did with this, the, just identify your stressors. So again, the concept, it's just one thing. Yes. You're not trying to solve all the world's problems. Right. You're not trying to solve, solve all your problems. Don't, don't try to you know, find all your stressors and start meditating an hour a day and fix them mm-hmm. all and then get rid of it because you're going to get overwhelmed. Yep. It's going to be shiny and new for 30 seconds. And, and it's going to be, be an implosion. It's too much, mm-hmm. right? So it's just write them down when you're feeling stressed, what do you think it is? But then you're probably going to have to deeper dive into what the real stressor is. Right. Right. Um, and then identifying, is it perceived stress mm-hmm. or is it an actual stressor? Right. And is this something you can control or is it something that you can't, right. right? Can you, can you kill the stressor or do you just need to find a way to de-stress? Exactly. Right. Right. Um, or is it a perceived stress that isn't really a stress at all? Right. Right. Unfortunately, Stress impacts the body regardless, mm-hmm. perceived or real or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So those are things that have to be addressed. And I think that I thought that was really good. And I think that 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 even goes to the the analogy we used uh, in in the last the previous episode of I got a clear path to the bed. Yeah. Right. So if we're keeping on that, right. So now we're identifying stressors. So now maybe we're just picking out the shit that's trash. We just don't need this shit. Right. We're just kind of like, and we haven't thrown it away yet. Right. We're making a pile of what we think is trash. Got to sort through. Right. So we're starting to sort through some of the stuff and then, you know, and, and then we'll, then we'll go through that and say, Mm -hmm. okay, what's really trash and what's not. It's like uh, hoarders, hoarders, right? right, right. I keep keep giving trash pile. Although I think on hoarders, you generally just want to go in and pretty much should just, yeah, (laughs) you just want to, you should Sometimes you really just roll the house and burn it down and start over. Um, so the other, um, thing that really stuck out to me was the discussion about sodium. Um, and you know, we were just having a conversation before this. It's, you know, look, sodium isn't the enemy any more than sugar is the enemy, right? It's the amount you are ingesting. It's the amount you're ingesting and it's where it's coming from. Right. Right. Um, you know, I say all the time, like I'm, I'm a, I, I call myself, I'm a salt whore. Like I am a salt whore because I put a shit ton of salt on all my food. I love salt. Salty things are my favorite, but we're talking about added salt to my, my vegetables. You're we're talking about added right. salt to 
fresh foods that I'm cooking. So we're not you're, talking about me. I just ordered a Big Mac and French fries and put salt on the shit. Right. I mean, so it is, and we've had this discussion. You might, you and I have kind of gotten into this before because we talk about, we talk past each other on the topic and it will come up on the Facebook or our membership group. And all the time, somebody will say, well, Tina says it, I should salt all my food. And I'm like, okay, right. That is a very myopic look at this. If you're already ingesting 8,000 milligrams of sodium a day, you should not be salting anything. It doesn't matter. It's about keeping in a healthy range. Right. Tina does not know what your diet looks like. Right. Tina can salt Tina's food because Tina's diet is in a place where she's in a healthy range. And I, it's the same as sugar, right? I'll get clients who are like, well, fruit has sugar, so I cut all my fruit out. But the wor- well, the worst thing is that, you know, stupid, you know, we use my fitness pal with our clients and stupid, my fitness pal mm-hmm. will always, cause I have this with my clients too. Mm-hmm. And it comes up and says, you're over your sugar goal. Mm-hmm. Why? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it tries to tell me right. that lie all the time. I don't actually set a right. sugar goal for myself cause I'm not, you know, eating I don't a really lot eat ton of sugar. sugar. Right. But I'm like, okay, we're looking at your log. All right. All your sugar came from fruit. Right. Right. So you didn't get here. We're not of talking fruit. about added sugars, right? right? We're, we're talking, what we're, what I'm usually talking about with my clients, right? We're talking about competition prep clients. So they're not putting a, a butt ton of right. shit in their diet. Um, but if you're talking about a street athlete, right? Somebody just, right. you know, we, we, we got to get all that extra processed added sugar out of processed food is. and added sodium out of right. processed food. So sodium isn't the enemy and sugar isn't the enemy. It's, the context of it. Right. So you got to have exactly it in context right. and it's where it's coming from. Right. Exactly right. Because I think this, I apologize. I think this episode, we talked about spaghetti sauce, right? Yeah. And spaghetti sauce is a great example of something that seems very simple and potentially healthy and has butt tons of extra sodium and butt tons of extra sugar. But there are plenty of varieties that don't. There are. However, most people don't eat, aren't even aware of it. Right. So it's not a matter of, did you salt your broccoli? It's a matter of let's look at all the processed stuff. You're getting all this extra junk. Mm-hmm. That's what we're worried about. So right. that we bring it all into a healthy level. Right. Um, and it does get frustrating as you start looking at that's something new. Cause you're like, well, holy fuck. Like how is there extra salt and sugar in everything? Right. And she talked about that and yeah. you know, and you told her, okay, well, you know, now you're going to actually have to start looking at yeah. labels. Right. And, and I think in the beginning with a new client, like, like, you know, Tiffany, who's really kind of new to this and realizing, right. So yeah. this is, there's going to be a lot of like, like oh shit, yeah. I didn't know. Like that sucks. Right. And it's going to feel overwhelming. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to throw up because you're like, oh, well, I'm looking at this label and I'm looking at this label and it's like so much sugar and it's so much sodium. Mm-hmm. You're going to throw up your hands and be like, this is too hard. I can't fucking do it. So you don't have to eliminate it all at mm-hmm. once. Right. So like if you're eating five, hundred thousand milligrams of sodium how about we cut it down to like 300 yeah. right and then how about we cut it down to like or what i even right? do is it's i'm just, like let's just look at your you the low-hanging fruit fruit are there things in your diet that are just over the, the top mix the checks cut out the checks or usually it's like well i'm eating a lean cuisine you're like yeah, okay well that was horrible. 1200 milligrams of salt let's change that boom now it's all fine you know, right, right. It's, it's little things, right. Take yeah. out the, you know, one of the things a day, right. right? And that's Replace it with something helps else. you. Absolutely. That's my job. That's your job to look through that and you not have to be overwhelmed and to say, okay, well, here's what I see. Let's, this should be the easiest path to it. Right. And make those changes. But yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, and, and for me and especially where she is in her journey right now, and a lot of my clients, we're working on basic health, right? Mm-hmm. We are trying to get out of the range of your going to potentially have heart attacks, high blood pressure because mm-hmm. numbers it's are just at basic that level. lifestyle changes. Yeah. And then the other thing I think you guys talked about in this episode, hopefully I didn't, it wasn't from the first, um, is the lack of support in the home. Yes. Right. So that is right. something you encounter a lot, especially it's, it's with, hard I mean, we certainly see it with competition clients too, where they don't have a supportive spouse, which is usually a big red flag. And I try to encourage people not to compete if their spouse isn't supportive because that's right. a whole other animal. But it's even harder if you have an entire family, a household, eight people or whatever in the fact, full of people who are overweight and unhealthy and you're the only one that wants to make a change. Right. And I try to explain to her like, um, it is equivalent-ish to an alcoholic trying to get clean in a house house full of other alcoholics living in a bar. Right. And it just makes it very hard. It's very hard for a heroin addict to get clean if you're living in a, a flop house. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, 
I don't know if her situation is harder or easier because a lot of the people, most of the people living in her house are other adults. So, you know, in a case where you have children, it's like, well, listen, fuckheads, we're not eating I that I do the grocery anymore. shopping. I'm not buying that shit. Yeah. You want it? You're eight. Go get a job. Well, and in her case though, if she's living in a house full of other adults, if we take out the human giver, Mother Teresa Martyr so syndrome, you, go. Yep. you don't have to cook for these other adults in your home. And you can tell them to put their food in their fucking own house. <laughs> well, you can tell them to get the fuck out of your house and go cook for your damn self. But, you know, you've kind of grown them up, right? And, you know, look, my son's 16. I cook a meal. He eats it or he doesn't. Right. Even right? my little kids. This is what the fuck I cooked. Oh, and he'll come downstairs and be like, no, nah, I don't really want to eat that tonight. I want to make some oodles and noodles. All right, cool. Yeah, whatever. Go yeah. order your five live, guys. Live your whatever. Life. It's your money. It's yeah. your thing. I mean, yes, I try to encourage my kid to like, you know, and he does like, I mean, he, he does eat most of my meals, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and that, but that goes to the human giver stuff from mother Teresa martyr syndrome, yeah. um, that if you really want to make this change, set, you're going to have to set boundaries, the boundaries yep. and maybe you're just cooking for yourself. I actually have a client that falls into this quite yeah. a bit too. And she's like, well, you know, we have, my family wanted to order um, Chinese and my family wanted to order pizza and my family. And I'm like, well, you just need to keep stuff in the fridge that you can eat when your family's ordering pizza or make your own pizza out of like, you know, flatbreads or tortillas yep. or something. So you at least feel like you're eating pizza with your family, but you're just not but eating the Papa John's pizza. Also tell your family no. Right. right? Like, you know, we'll have. Or just let your, <laughs> if they want to, if your husband and son and they want to order pizza, okay, let them order yeah. pizza. But yeah. you do you. This is your right. home, not theirs, right? Right, right. So you, that's, it's an excuse. It's priorities, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, you know, yeah. so, so it, it's just making that decision and setting that boundary for yourself. And the other thing I always have to wonder, and everybody's case is different, you know, are you really communicating this? Because at least with my husband, you know, if he's like, I want to order Chinese, and I'm like, no, I'm doing something very important right now. And if you order Chinese, that's going to fuck me. He's going to be like, okay, cool. Let's eat a salad. Yeah. If he came back at me like, fuck you, I'm getting Chinese, bitch. I'd be like, uh, huh? You'd probably throw a punch in. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. Do you have a death wish? What's happening right now? Right. But I have to always wonder, is your family unsupportive or have you just not really communicated what mm-hmm. you're doing and what they play in it and what the rules are? Right. No, and I, I, I a thousand percent agree with you on that. And again, it's about setting boundaries yeah, and telling people what's to important right. to to you, yeah. and stop giving in to what everybody else wants to do. These are your goals, not theirs. Yeah. Um, and clear communication with those around yeah. you, right? I mean, you know, I we encourage clients to do. You know, we talked about it in the What to Expect book. It's like make sure you have support systems in place. I encourage clients to bring their spouses with them yeah. to their uh, yeah. to their consults, right? And they do many times. I'm like, so that they can understand what's about mm-hmm. to happen. I explain it to everybody, mm-hmm. so it's not even a game of telephone. I explained it to her, and now she's going to go home and explain it to her husband. Right. Husband gets to hear it firsthand. Brought the kid too. Brought the seven year old and the husband. Okay, whole family's going to be on board with this. And I guess mean, what? It goes so much smoother in that case 100%. because everybody is very clear on the goal. And I think that that's a really important yeah. thing, right? We've got to communicate what you're trying to do, and then you got to set boundaries. And then this is this is just my take on life. But if your family doesn't support you trying to be yeah, healthy, you might need a new then family. You might need a new family. I mean, and that's, that yeah. is going to sound super harsh, but if you truly have communicated, I mean, that's a problem. That's a big red flag. Right. That's a problem. And that's just something you should think strongly about. I agree with that. Now, I understand not everybody is as willing to go do their own thing as I am. Right. Or you probably are if it came down to it. I understand that. Yeah. And I also understand that people have different relationships that are not as co-equal as perhaps ours are um, mm-hmm. because our husbands are smart <laughs> and want to live yeah. to see, you know, another day. So I do get that, but I do think that all goes into the bigger picture because if, if you're living in an environment that's unhealthy, that you feel like you don't have power over or a voice, it's probably not just happening in the realm of food. Right. So... There's a, there's a lot more to unpack there. Yeah. So I'm certainly not encouraging. And I'm not saying this is her situation either. I'm not your sister or anybody listening to, you know, leave their families and, you know. No, no, no. And go on a diet to be healthier. Right. Um, But, you know, sometimes uh, clearing a path 
to the bed, right? right? Um, clearing a path to your own health and mm-hmm. wellness, your own mm-hmm. wellness includes things other than training and nutrition. Zillion percent. And I have found in 100% of cases <laughs> where, um, I, 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 no, so I'm not going to say 100%. I have found in many examples of clients who were probably in maybe not the healthiest relationships, married or otherwise, who competed mm-hmm. um, or who got healthy, mm-hmm. who got fit, it started to change their perspective on yeah. the health of their relationships right. um, and everything around them. They're like, oh, I, I feel great. This doesn't feel good anymore, yeah. right? And so um, it's part of decluttering. It really is. And, and I'm not saying, again, I am not saying divorce your, you know, your spouses or anything like that, but it is something you have to consider when you're looking at your overall health and wellness right. for yourself. Right. Period. It, it is a huge factor. Absolutely agree. And, you know, and that's kind of the beauty of this process too, is it, it brings a lot of power to you and it, a lot of power to look at your overall situation. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Um, so the things that we're going to be looking for in the next check-in is obviously talking about those stressors. Mm -hmm. I won't lie. I'm nervous about how school is going to affect things. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very braced for those sort of emotional derailments. Um, also looking for beginning to introduce some physical activity. And again, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. You did talk about that. We're not going out to run. We're not going out to run a marathon. I just need you to set a, habit of going to the gym. And I think I said in there, you know, this is your scheduled gym time. You may go down in the gym and lay on the fucking floor if you want, but you're going to set a set time in your day yeah. to do this thing. Because I promise you, if you get down there, you're not going to lay on the floor. Right? right. And this just has to be again to be a thing. And it has to be slow and easy because you can't go out too far. your last one day. Right. Um, and then just to continue staying accountable logging, chipping away at this Mm -hmm. every single week. So I'm excited to see, Mm -hmm. to see how. Yeah, I think it's really great. This is really exciting. Uh, So the next check-in will be uh, in another month. So we'll have another three or four weeks in between um, when we do the next recording of this and we'll see how much progress Tiffany has made. I'm really excited. Uh, Good, uh, good job, Tiffany, so far on everything. Great job. Awesome. All right. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like to stream your favorites. Bye.